We're almost done with Second Corinthians, actually. A couple more weeks here, and uh, uh, we'll be into our Christmas series, and then after that, we'll be um, starting Galatians. So that'll be at the new year. We'll be starting that the new year, and uh, so looking forward to that. We're just going to continue going straight through the Bible. Um, I've just it's been so fun to to, to go that way, and and uh, it's so much uh, gleaned from just. Just going straight through the word, and and uh, I know God spoke a lot to you. He spoke a lot to me in this too. So, Second Corinthians chapter twelve, verse eleven. Let's pray again, and then we'll get started. Lord, we pray that you speak to us uh, by your word. Lord, that you would um, encourage us, and that we would uh, be able to hear you. Lord, that you'd uh, give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Lord, that you would be uh, ministering to each person in here just showing us what we need to see Lord. And, uh, that, um, just that we would be attentive. Our hearts would be ready. would be, we wouldn't be hard. We'd be soft and hearted to towards what you're trying to show us Lord. And, and so we pray these things in Jesus name. Amen. Okay. Uh, so second Corinthians chapter 12 has been a continuation of Paul defending himself and his apostleship. And he's continuing to do it in, in what, we, what he would call boasting. It's not really boasting. It's basically just saying, like, I know who I am in the Lord. And I know how I've been used in the Lord in your lives. And, uh, and, and we're going to see that there's an overarching, the big picture is because he loves them. Because he cares about them. He can't let them continue on a path of destruction. He can't allow them to continue to go down the same road that's not leading to life. It's leading to death. And it's anyway. So verse 11, I've become a fool in boasting. You have compelled me for I ought to have been commended by you for in nothing was I behind the most eminent apostles, though I am nothing. He, Paul again brings up how much he hates boasting about himself. I think when you see the Lord move and, and you start uh, giving praise to him and, and your eyes are on him, the idea of boasting in yourself becomes kind of like ridiculous because you start to see like how, in, like how incapable you are of changing or doing anything in and of yourself and how much we really need the Lord. I mean, that's, that's always evident when we get sick, isn't it? <laughs> You're like, I'm strong, I'm good, and all of a sudden you get the stomach flu, and you're like, uh, I could just die now, you know? And you're like just just curled up in a ball, and, and it's just like, ooh, or a bad cold and a fever, and, and all of a sudden you're like, no, no, just get up and do it. No, you can't, you know? At some point, you just can't. It's just not going to happen. No matter how much you will yourself, you can't walk on a leg that's broken in half, Right? We're, we're fragile if we're being honest with ourselves and, and we, we aren't self-sustained, self-sustained. We can't do it. We're being blessed to the amount that we, you know, are healthy and, and God gives us that ability to a certain extent. But the more we draw close to the Lord, the less we see that we have to brag about. We see even the things that we have as gifts, good health, a gift, you know, uh, freedoms, a gift, all of these things, a gift. So Paul, he has trouble boasting. He doesn't want to boast, but he's saying, the reason I'm doing this is it's for the bigger picture so that you can see that I am an apostle, a, a valuable apostle, because the way that you see me is the way that you see Jesus, and it's important to get this right. 
Because you didn't like the things about me that look like Jesus. That's not good. So he brings it up again. uh, And then he says, you guys really should be thanking me. It sounds like he's bragging, but he's like, you should be thanking me for what I've done for you. And you should be realizing that there's been a, a lot of been extended towards you. These uh, fake apostles, uh, they have, you know, they, they don't care about them at all. And, and uh, they're going to make them creep further and further away from the truth. The fake, the, 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 these like uh, apostles who are all about themselves and, and as we've seen have, have taken from them, abused them, even struck them. They're going to keep on taking them further and further off the path. So Paul says, I cannot let you believe that that's okay because it's just not. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6 says, your glorying is not good. This is to the Corinthians. He says, do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? And this is speaking of sin. But we know a little bit of bad affects it all, right? And leaven, you know, a little bit of yeast, it can cause major problems, it will, it will take over if you allow it. So Paul's saying, this needs to be weeded out and you need to see what a true apostle looks like. Verse 12, truly the signs of an apostle were accomplished uh, among you with all perseverance in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. The, he's saying that under me, as I was your apostle, as I was leading you, the signs were abundant. It was obvious that there was good fruit present. When I was leading you, God was doing something here. And you guys saw that. You saw it for yourselves. There was something cool happening here. You were a part of it. And I was the one that God was using to lead that. Verse 13. For what is it in which you were inferior to other churches? Except that I myself was not burdensome to you. Forgive me this wrong. Paul's been a little sarcastic in this book, if you haven't noticed, right? He's like, what, what is it that you were inferior to other churches? Like, what didn't I give to you except that I myself was not burdensome to you? I'm so sorry for not taking from you. You have to forgive me for that. Because remember, the other apostles did take, right? They were all about taking. And not just that, we're going to actually see uh, the other churches were giving to Paul in the ministry. Paul made it a point to not take from this church. Why? I think he was led by the Holy Spirit. We're also going to see he sees them as babies and he doesn't expect babies to act like they're big. And so, but, but it's a problem when the babies think that they are big and that they start calling you a baby. You know, like I need you guys to get this understanding here, but I have not taken from you. I've been very good to you. There's nothing that I have restricted from you except for the ability to pay your own way. That's the only thing I've been taking. You have to forgive me for that. He says, you have to forgive me for being too accommodating. <laughs> Paul knew he, 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 he wanted to labor even harder for this church because he loved them. He worked extra hard. And, and we see even the other churches helped support Paul to minister to the more affluent Corinthians because they were immature. They were inferior to nothing. And it's, and it's, uh, it's a blessing even to be able to do that, to bless and to be able to accommodate and, and uh, to help uh, pay for that kind of stuff, obviously, you know, like uh, to support the one that is being used to minister to you. 
but they weren't there. And, but they were more than willing to give their money to these fake people who were willing to abuse them because they saw that abuse as a, as in a way to learn how to do it to other people. Not good. Verse 14. Now for the third time, I am ready to come to you. And I will not be burdensome to you, for I do not seek yours, but you. For the child ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. Paul says, I'm ready to come to you again. For the third time, I'm ready to come. Notice he says he's ready to come. He doesn't say he's definitely coming. I think Paul's learned that, you know. If, remember we were going through Acts. He's like, I thought I was going here, but I wasn't. <laughs> All of a sudden, the Lord had another plan. I'm ready to come see you guys. If the Lord doesn't allow that, then so be it. If he doesn't want me to go, then that's okay. But I'm ready to come see you guys. I'm ready to come do it. And again, I won't be burdensome to you. I refuse to take from you. I want to give to you. And he says, I do not seek yours. Remember these false apostles. This is the difference. They want to take from you, whether it be money or um, uh, power or um, just Stroking your ego. He's like, I have not come to take from you. I don't seek yours, but you. I'm not seeking your stuff or anything that belongs to you or, or even what you can give to me. I'm just seeking you. I want you. I, I, I want, I love you. I don't care about all the other stuff. And a lot of times it's easy to get caught up in all the other stuff, isn't it? There's other stuff out there. But if we can get down to the basics of it, it's, I just want you. I don't need all the other stuff. I just want you, 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 you. So even Christmas, right? It's coming up and and you're looking at the bank account and you're like, this is going to be expensive, you know? We started doing names, you know, with my family. And it's like, how much should we do uh, for, you know, for the, everybody pick a name. It's a secret. You better not let anyone know what you, you know, who you're getting a gift for, you know? Why? I don't know, but they'll find out eventually, whatever. But how much should we do? 50? How about 10? You know, like, it's not about the gift, is it? Because we have to do this a lot of times. It's all going to add up, you know? But you, people go, you'll go into debt to, to try and make it about the thing. It's like, it's about the person. I would be home more if I didn't have to buy all the, or have to work all the extra hours to buy all the stuff to try and make you happy that will be outdated in a month. It's about you, not the thing other stuff. And Paul showing what a true apostle should look like. This is Jesus, isn't it? It's like, I just want you. I don't need anything else. I just want you. And really Christianity really boils down to that. You could try and get caught up in all the, well, he wants me to do this and he wants me to do that. And I got to make sure that I do this. And I got to make sure I never say that. And I got to make sure that, 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 that. you know, it, it's so simple. It's all, I, I want you relationship between us and God and everything flows from there. That's the root. That's the source. He's the one that gives us life. We can't manufacture it. It's, it's given from him. So there's nothing we can do in and of ourselves to make it any better. It's just, except for saying, here I am. And you can have it all, all of me. More, the more that, that you have, he has of you, the more he can do with you. But he's saying, I just want you. I don't, I don't need anything from you guys. I know it's been a burden to work to make this happen. When all these other churches, they see the value, they're actually getting eternal fruit for being part of the ministry that's taking place. But you guys can't handle that right now, and I don't even care. I don't want it from you. I want to 
let you know all I'm here for is you. It's not about me. It's about you. But the fact that you have a problem with me means you have a problem with God. You don't know how much I love you guys. So he's saying, I don't want to be a burden. Um, I, I did not seek yours, but you. For the children ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. I see this relationship as you guys are my kids, and I just love you. I just want to bless you, and I just want... The reason I want to bless you is because I want to be with you and I want you to have the very best in life and I can't let you sit here and, and, and get robbed. It's not cool. I'm not into it. What a contrast from the way of the world. The values system is completely different. And if you buy into the value system of the world, if we do, which we all have and we all do, you are always left wanting, aren't you? Man, if I only could do this, or if I could only get to that point, or if I could just, 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 just it's just, you're just never going to get there. But when you come to the place of going, you know, it's just, I just want to be simple in the fact that I love God, and I love the people around me. And the relationships are way more valuable than anything else. That's how Paul lived. And, and, and it shows the value of who he was. He was a true apostle. He looked like Jesus. Apostle sent one. He was sent from God to represent God in this way. He looks like Jesus. We, it's kind of interesting. You know, uh, First, Corinthians, I mean, First Kings chapter 3. Solomon, we know the wisest man that ever lived aside from Jesus, you know, or at least up to that point, was given wisdom. And his wisdom was unbelievable, right? He decided to do some very dumb things, even though he had been given this wisdom, we know, obviously. But uh, he'd been given this wisdom, and it was tested, right? These two harlots show up. They have a baby. And one of them's, one of them's dead, two babies. They each had a baby. One of them died. The other one was still alive. And they, said, they were both saying, the alive one's mine, right? You've seen this before with, if you have kids. That's, that one was the one that was mine, the one that's not broken. The one that is broken was obviously theirs. I have the one that's not broken because that's who I am. I have the not broken stuff. They always have the broken stuff. And you kind of go, who is telling the truth? I don't know. It starts getting really tricky. I've told the story before of a fan that got broken in my house. And I refused to say that I broke it knowing full well I did it. And watched my brother confess to the fan, break him breaking the fan which I still boggles my mind to this day. I'm like, did he think he broke it or cause we've never had this conversation, you know, still a little bit, you know, it's been 30 years, but still maybe it's been a little too soon to bring it up. Uh, he took the spanking for me is what he did. And I went off thinking, well, that was pretty cool. Wonder if that'll work again. It didn't. That was the only time. Uh, but, uh, they, they bring this baby before Solomon. What does uh, Solomon say to him? The king said, the one who says, this is my son who lives and your son is dead and your son is the dead one. And the other says, no, but your son is the dead one. And the son is the living one saying, I have the living one. You have the dead one. They're both saying the same thing. Then the king said, bring me a sword. This is interesting, Right. So they brought a sword before the king, and the king said, Divide the living child in two, 
and give half to one and half to the other. Is this all the wisdom you got from God, Solomon? To cut a baby in half and think that that's the fair way to split it up so they could both have their baby? Well, what happens? Verse 26 of chapter 3. Then the woman whose son was living spoke to the king, for she yearned with compassion for her son. And she said, Oh, my Lord, give her the living child and by no means kill him. But the other said, Let him be neither mine nor yours, but divide him. So the king answered and said, Give the first woman the living child and by no means kill him. She is the mother. When it was all boiled down to uh, it coming down to that baby dying, the real mother said, I love that baby so much, I'd rather have him live with someone else than be dead. The other one said, eh, whatever, slice it in half. It's about the principle of the issue. The real mother will always look after the child. Paul is the apostle looking after these children, and he will always be seeking the best for them. So you have these fake apostles saying, That's my, that, these are my children too. But they're only going to be there when they can get something out of it. And it will become obvious in time who's the real one. So this is a perfect example of Paul being the real thing. The uh, eminent apostle, as he calls them, they, they took from them. Over and over again, Paul refused to take from them. He sees them as children, and he's, they're not ready to pay the bill yet. Remember the first time you paid the bill for your parents? Was that a weird thing or what? They've just been paying for food forever, and all of a sudden you're like, I'm going to get this one. And all of a sudden you see the bill, and you're like, oh, wow. That's really expensive. I'm going to have to transfer some money real quick, you know, to cover this one. Let's separate, let's spread this out over a couple cards. And you, you, they're like, you know what, that's no, okay. <laughs> I don't think you're ready for this yet. Verse 15, I will uh, very gladly spend and be spent for your souls, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I am loved. This is really sad. This is, but this tells you the heart of Paul. And if this is the heart of Paul, think about the heart of Jesus. Paul's a man greatly used by the Lord, no doubt. But he's a man, so he's still flawed. And he's, an, he's like, uh, you know, it's, he's following Jesus for sure. He says, I'll very gladly spend and be spent for your souls. I'm willing to give of myself and give of my life for you guys. I'm so willing to do that. And I've proved that over and over again. But he says, the more abundantly I love you, the less I'm loved. Isn't that sad? Such a brutal truth. And you can hear his heart and his love for them. One. Two, the pain he feels. Paul's hurt by the way they're treating him. He's invested his life in this church. He's, he's celebrated with them and he's been excited about what God's been doing there. And he's, but he's, he's like a true parent. He's not just annoyed by their behavior. He's sad because he loves them. As a parent, that's difficult. Right? To watch your child go down a road that you're like, oh man. And as annoying as it is, it's not the annoying thing that sticks with you. It's the sadness. Like, I will give anything to help you. I'd do anything to help you, to bring you back. But this isn't my choice. You've got to make this choice for yourself. Paul loves 
these people. He loves them. And so he's not going to just let them go without giving every effort he can to help lead them in the right direction. I am not going to let you go down this road that will lead to your destruction and to you being taken advantage of. I love you too much. And even if you hate me, I don't care. I love you so much. I'll tell you the truth over and over and over again. And you can be annoyed with me. But if any of it sticks, I'm down with that. Verse 16. But be that as it may, I did not burden you. Nevertheless, being crafty, I caught you by cunning. Did I take advantage of you by any of those whom I sent to you? I urged Titus and sent our brother with him. Did Titus take advantage of you? Did we not walk in the same spirit? Did we not walk in the same steps? This addresses an issue that they thought that Paul was saying, Oh, no, I'm doing it for free. But then was really being sneaky and crafty and cunning and said, oh, Let's get together a, uh, you know, an offering for the church in Jerusalem. And his pockets labeled Church of Jerusalem, you know, that he's actually not really doing, doing what he said he's doing. And he's being a little bit shady. And so somehow that had been propagated that, yeah, he says he's not getting anything out of this, but he, he probably really is getting something out of this. And it most likely was being shared by these apostles, these leaders that had risen up. And the people who think like that, that other people are doing things like that, are the people who themselves are doing it. Right? Those are the people that are like, where did you get that idea? What made you think they were doing that? Well, because you were doing it. Remember Judas? The woman, you know, with the oil. He's like, that was so much money worth of oil. Look, if you could have just, we could have sold that. Think about how much money we would have to be used uh, for ministry. His pocket was labeled ministry, you know. We know Judas was obsessed with money in the end. It was his undoing. But you get a glimpse of him freaking out because you just wasted all this on, on, on Jesus. And why would you do that? It's, uh. And Jesus is like, slow down, Judas. She did the right thing. This is a good thing. This won't be taken away from her. That's just got a little bit of value. That doesn't mean anything. But it was showing and telling that he had an issue with money. Being the treasurer, he had access. But I think that this was a sign. Man, these people were extra shady. They're calling Paul out. And Paul is again and again said, look, there was transparency. I'm not just by myself on this. There is, we have records of, of going from place to place. And I'm delivering you guys help from Macedonia. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm part of this process. Shady people are always extra aware of shady people. Like, I know better than that because I've been that. It can actually be healthy when you're, when you've like, you just know how people are. Maybe you used to be like that. And so you can kind of spy it out. That can be healthy. But this was in a healthy way. This was people who were like, Paul skimming off the top. That's ours. That should be for us. And he says, uh, again, do you think that we excuse ourselves to you? We speak before God in Christ, but we do all things, beloved, for your edification. Do you think he's like, are we trying to excuse ourselves before you? Is this whole thing about like trying to like um, make it all about us? Like, okay, 
well, here, I'm good here. I'm good here. I'm good here. Uh, I want to make sure my name isn't, isn't said, you know, defamed or whatever. But he's saying, no, we speak before God in Christ. Like, I want to build you up. This is the whole point. We do all things beloved, these people I love so much, for your edification, for your building up. That's why we're doing this. The reason I'm doing everything here is to build you up. Can those apostles say the same thing? Is there a purpose to build you up? To see you better than you were or to take from you? Are they giving you bricks or are they taking your bricks? Are they, are they like helping you get to where you're trying to go? Or are they trying to take away from that? It's important to know because this is like the false apostle thing is not just in this time or just in this church. It's, it's a thing, right? And it still is a thing. You'll notice the people trying to use you as a stepping stool to stand up on top of you. To They don't care. But you don't want to be around that. You want to be around people that want to see you succeed and love on you. And Anyway. Verse 20. For I fear lest when I come, I shall not find you such as I wish. And that I shall be found by you such as you do not wish. Lest there be contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, backbiting, whisperings, conceit, and tumults. You're like, this is an interesting way to word this, Paul. For I fear less when I come, I shall not find you such as I wish. (laughs) And that I shall be found by you such as you do not wish. What is he saying? He's like saying, I'm afraid when I come back, you're not going to be the way I want you to be. You're not going to be where I was hoping you would be. And when I come back... If I find that, you're going to find me in a way you don't want me to be. Like, it, when I come back, he's already kind of hinted to this. Like, you've, you've said that I've been a little too easy on you. Don't worry. When I come back, I'll clear that up. You've heard that I'm this big, gnarly guy. And, you know, not big, stature-wise, we know that. But I, that I'm Mr. Apostle Paul or whatever. And then when I'm coming, I'm really gracious to you. And you think that's a weakness? Well, don't worry. I'll come back soon and we'll clear all of that up. Because I, I'm just, I'm trying to figure out, and this is, this is so true with kids. Like, you're trying to figure out which one, what works for what kid, right? Some kids, you're like, oh, you better not do that again. They're like, okay, got it. The other ones are like, don't put your finger in your mouth. And they put the second one in their mouth. I have both of those kids. I'm not going to use their names right now. Don't touch the dog. Did you see it? I'm touching it. Okay, not with the other hand too then. Both hands. I'm going to lay on it. What do you think about that? Oh my goodness. So for you, you you're, you have time out. Oh, I don't care. Time out doesn't mean anything to me. Whether the other person, it drives them insane, right? And so Paul's like, I'm going to figure out what it takes to get to you guys. So you can understand what it is exactly that you like to get your heads right in this. What exactly it's going to take for you to wake up. It's like, I don't want to, I just, I can't see this continue in you guys. So you're going to be finding me out of this. He says, lest there be contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, backbiting, whisperings, conceits, and tumults. I don't want to see this in amongst you. 
these are all very um, insecure attributes. Isn't that interesting? I was just like, I was looking at this. These are all like kind of like levels of insecurity. It's funny. I'm again, we've, we got the dog or whatever a month ago and I, I'm a researcher. I will go through. And so I'm learning all these things. And you know, when a dog gets really aggressive against other dogs or, or people or nature, they're not, it's not that they're the baddest dog on the block. They're scared. There's this fear. There's an insecurity about them that makes them like, I don't know what's going on. And so this is what I know how to do. I feel backed in a corner and I'm yelping and I'm crazy and I don't know what to do. And I'm, I'm sketched out. And you could see these trained people learn how to show like, you're good, but you're not bullying me around. Like, come with me. Okay, now stop. I got you. And you, they need to be led. There's a, a leading that needs to be take, taking place. But if they don't allow that leading and they go rogue and they are obsessed with their freedom, the freedom is the thing that, that takes them out. They need to be led. This church isn't being led in the right way. So these are all insecurities. Does there be contentions? Contentions? battling with one another that's that's to me that's a sign of insecurity it's all sin right jealousies i mean what's more insecure than jealousies right outbursts of wrath again this is something i can control selfish ambitions because you're you're trying to build yourself up backbitings i better knock everyone else down because i'm so insecure with who i am whisperings in the same way, conceits and tumults. It's all in there, right? So this church, because they've chosen to do it on their own, they've been left in a very insecure place. They don't know who they are. And so therefore, they are extremely vulnerable. We know insecure kids are the most vulnerable. It's it's just a a scary thing because they're so easily swayed by attention by anything that makes them feel a little bit more secure. And that's what this church was like. They seemed like they were all rogue and all big and bad, but this is all signs of insecurity because they weren't being led, because they didn't have the shepherd leading them. You know, that's like Psalm 23, right? That that, that we don't have to fear, we don't have to worry, because when we're following God... All the worries go away because we're next to the shepherd. And you go, I don't really have to worry what's out there because the shepherd's here. And he's super good at taking care of all that other stuff. Oh, no, the food's about to dry up. Well, he'll lead us to another spot where there's more food. You don't have to worry about that. When you go rogue and you decide, I'm so sick of the shepherd. I want to do things my own way. Then now it's your job to try and find your food and try and be big and bad. And you're a lamb and you can't stand a chance against a wolf. A wolf will, if you could somehow get past one of them, there's always more than one. Bait you out, take you out, and then the whole pack comes in, swarms. It's over. So this is all part of it. man. God, he's like, I don't want you guys to go down this road. So I'll do whatever I got to do to pull you away from that. Verse 21, lest when I come again, my God will humble me among you 
And I shall mourn for many who have sinned before and have not repented of the uncleanness, fornication, and lewdness which they have practiced. Again, the heart of Paul proves his apostleship. He's not saying, and I'll be like, I told you so in front of the Lord. Show up, all pious. Yep, you guys are still screwing up. You didn't repent, and I'm so done with you. I can't wait to see you burn in hell. Because honestly, tell me you haven't thought like that with people who are back, you know. It's like, okay, well, I guess someone's got to burn. Maybe not. You're like, okay, I'm going to a different church. Well, okay, Mr. Perfect or Mrs. Perfect. We've all been there to some extent or another. But he's saying, no, I'm going to mourn what's going on with you guys. What's the thing that's going on? That you sinned before and have not repented. That you've continued on. That you've allowed sin to control you. That you think that you know better. It's funny, there's like a... It's like such a subtle thing to kind of take control and think you know better. It happens to all of us. Adolescents, we start thinking, I actually think I do know more than my parents. I actually think I actually have a better idea. You might, you know what, by the way, you might to a certain extent. This is a flaw. This is human. Most of the time you don't, though. (laughs) Something about experience and something about them caring for you. And I was talked out of so many bad ideas. Many of them was like, what tattoo would you get when you're 18? Thank God I didn't get those tattoos. I did get them eventually, but they were different, you know. Wouldn't have gotten those ones. But there's, uh, there's something to be said for that, that willingness. Sin, you sin and you did not turn. You, you continue on your own path. And this leads to destruction. This leads to insecurity. This leads to chaos in your life. Repenting, allowing God the reins, leads to peace, hope, you know, truth, love, all these good things. Literally all the fruits of the Spirit. Patience, gentleness, self-control, right? This, this is what comes out of that life. The other life is chaos. And we trade it to hold on to poison. To hold on to the one thing you think you don't want to get rid of. The thing that's killing you. Leave it alone. Let it go. Paul desperately wants to see this church be blessed. So if you just read this and you're like, Paul's annoyed with them. Get over it, Paul. Just leave him alone. No, he loves them. Would you leave your kids alone? No. He sees them as his children. And he sees the good that is in them. And he wants to see them be blessed. Calvin said, Paul reveals to us the mind of a true and sincere pastor when he says that he will look on the sins of others with grief. She get no joy in seeing people fail or fall. That's a sign of your own flaw and your own insecurity. We celebrate together. We mourn together. 
laugh with those who laugh. We weep with those who weep. We mourn with those who mourn. You know, we're, what, that's where we need to be. That's the heart of, of the church. That's the heart of Jesus. I mean, I, I'm always struck with like the whole Lazarus story and, and like, and, and Jesus is like, starts getting like sad with them, even though he knows full well, he's going to raise them from the dead because he feels the pain that they're feeling. He's like, oh, don't worry. It's going to get better. But he's just feeling it, what they're feeling. God wants to draw us in deeper and closer to him. And he wants us to, to let go and to allow him to be that center, that source, the security in our life. Because all the other stuff, it will drive you crazy. And you can look anywhere to try and fulfill this in your life. It will not work. Nothing will fulfill it. You can have things that mask confidence, but it won't, it, you won't find confidence aside from inside of Jesus, really. Because you know who you are. Your identity is sealed in him. Until we get to that place, we're going to be just running around hurting each other, trying to make ourselves feel bigger, trying to turn you into a mound so I could stand up a little taller than everyone else. I hope it's found in him. And it's good news indeed, isn't it? Good news found in, at the cross of Christ. It's the first of the month. Literally, it's the first of the month. December 1st. And so we're going to have an, a time uh, for communion. before, So we can grab the cup and the, and the bread that represents the body and the blood of Jesus. And, and to do business again with the Lord. And maybe lay all this out. Lord, I have gone rogue here, 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 here. Here's where I be- didn't believe you. Here's where I thought I had it. Here's where I, you know, decided I knew better. And here's where I'm super insecure and I'm causing chaos in my life because I won't surrender. This is an opportunity again to surrender before the Lord and to think all of those things are washed away by the blood of Jesus. It was punished. His body was punished and his blood cleansed us so we can be free again. So this is a cool opportunity. Richie's going to lead us in a song here and uh, give you an opportunity to do that. So just come back, come up, grab the the drink and the cup. I'm sorry, the drink and the cup. The cup and the bread and go ahead and take it back to your seat and spend some time with the Lord. And just, and just ask, say, search me, Lord. Know me, Lord. If you know what it is, lay it down. And if you don't know, ask him to reveal it to you. The things that we're holding on, we're all holding on to something. That he wants to free us from so we can live in that, that peace. And, and know our identity is found in Jesus. Let's pray, Lord. Thank you so much for this time this morning. And just for the, the life that you give us, Lord. We, it's so easy to be frustrated with things around us or situations that are stressful or uh, even people that we see doing well and we feel like maybe we aren't or whatever. I don't know, but uh, those are all just us valuing ourselves. And you've done so much more. You've given us a higher value. You've given us a, a higher identity than any of those things. So Lord, help us to stop measuring with the world's metrics with the world's measurements, but to, that we would see it like you see it. When you look at us, you see your son. You see the blood. You see a new creation waiting to be blessed, waiting 
to excel in what you've called us to do, to be who we've been called to be. So help us to leave the other stuff behind, just to lay it all down and to follow you. Lord, and for anyone here this morning that's frustrated or whatever, Lord, just pray that even this time we grab that the drink and we grab the bread and, and that there would be uh, just a real uh, encounter and, and uh, business done between us and you, Lord. So just thank you so much, Lord. We praise you, God. You're so good to us. Pray this is in Jesus' name. Amen.
those hands together. Hallelujah, you have done great things. 
have done great things. Sing it out. Oh, hero of heaven, you conquer the grave. You free every captive and break every chain. Oh, God, you have done great things. We dance and you Praise the Lord Jesus. You guys have a great day. See you guys.